That's why we need to teach the truth because if we if we see people clinging to the false, right, uh, because they get some of God's results, mm-hmm. the, 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 I mean, people God sends the rain on the just and the unjust. You know, He mm-hmm. heals people that are not even praying to Him, and that doesn't right. mean that the sh- the shaman or the mystic that they go to, the fortune teller, is really the power of God. It's just God will still be merciful and graceful even with the most wicked of attempts. Right. So we we really need to know this God, this living God, because yeah. our eternity depends on it. Because I'd be worried about your soul. Why you still be doubting you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things, but you believe things that you've never seen. Like feelings and hopes and dreams, the future emotions and gravity. And sadly, everything you're rejecting makes this whole life a tragedy. And I got something to say, I got something to say, I got something to say to the world. And I got place to make, I got steps to take, I got cakes to bake, I got shoes to tie, I got mountains to climb, I got things that I really strive to do just before I die, huh? Tell the whole world all about Jesus Christ. So I'ma do all that I'm called to do. I'ma call on you so you could recall it to memory when you remember me speaking about the remedy of the living king. He's the one giving you everything, every good thing that you got, everything that you not. When you think that you hot, he's the one at the top that can make it all stop. He started it all from the very beginning, the very beginning. This is the Milk and Meat Podcast. I'm Andrew Krimkovich. This is Aldo Beltran. Uh, my guest, my friend, my brother in Christ. And we're... Uh, we're going to go into a topic that I think a lot of people are not understanding correctly. But I, I wanted to do this because I recently experienced something that I didn't, I didn't know how bad it was going to be. And after I started to sit through it, I realized, okay, this, this is bad. And this is making its way into the church. And what, what the problem is, we just talked about my people are destroyed due to lack of knowledge. Because we try to twist God's arm with all of our good behavior sometimes, and we try to get our way like he's our genie. Yeah. That's, that's just not the case. The church I was at, they, um, they were verse by verse, and yet there was that aspect of charismatic. And the fact that uh, I, I began uh, walking with Christ uh, in, in a fully charismatic church, I had that, I had that sensation, that, that feel. I had that comfort in that sort of environment. But the more I studied, the more I looked into it, I, I'm kind of... I'm kind of flown away from the kind of charismatic that I'm seeing. I am not against the charisma and the goodness and the the activities of God, but I am against it being taught wrongly. And I see that it's it's being taught wrongly. And people are really, really, really pursuing these, uh, what do you call them? These overly, overly stimulated experiences. Yeah. And when that becomes your walk with God, it's like we cheapen him. It's like we make him out to be our good feel, mm. our our grand uh, ecstasy every day, and we need it like a drug. It yeah. becomes this this really uh, mm-hmm. really self seeking thing because even though yes, God is our greatest need, and we should seek him daily. Yeah. It's just as you said, it's the way it's being done is is incorrect. And very misleading. And I'm sure we're going to get into some of the details. I was recently at something called a prayer training. Yeah. And the reason I went was not because I need prayer training. Training in, in godliness is the only kind of training you see in the Bible. You know, mm. my, you know God trains my hands for battle. And, you know, uh, train, uh, uh, you know, physical training is of some value. But 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 spiritual training is, is, is good unto... You know that 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 lasts into eternity. That that benefits you in eternal ways. That's that's great gain for godliness. Mm. But when I went into the prayer training, I literally went in and I was like, "Man, should I do this?" But I I just felt it the minute that that I, this opportunity was open. I'm like, I'm not going in to receive. I'm going in to investigate. Mm-hmm. I went in with that mentality because. I've been studying into the the cults. I've been studying into the New Age mysticism, uh, mm-hmm. Bethel Hillsong, all of the stuff they're doing, all of the way that they're mistreating God, His Word, Scripture, the idea of spiritual gifts, the expectations, the experiential worship that they're really gearing towards and trying to get. All of that, um, I've been studying into it. And then this training opportunity came up. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go and investigate because this looks like it could be a problem. So I went in and there was a few statements that the teacher uh, made. Now, some people don't think that a female should not teach or preside over a congregation. But as far as uh, God's word says in the New Testament, a woman doesn't have that 
position as an authority figure. Right. She can minister to other women. She can obviously minister to her own family. She can even testify and proclaim Christ. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to let me teach you something, uh, she's not permitted to have that role. And some people will be like, no, it's so like right. misogynistic. I'm exactly. like, no, it's not. Everyone wants egalitarianism. Like men are just like women. In fact, men can even become women. That's yeah. the mentality. And the thing is, with God is a God of order. And you see it throughout the Bible. You see it. The way he he places things, he places the man over the top of the woman, but not as to say that he should step on her, you know, but rather to protect her, to lead her, to guide her. You know, the woman certainly has her role, too, along with the children, you know, and obviously above all that encompasses, you know, God encompasses all of that. Gender roles. Yeah. Gender roles are real. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a bad thing, especially today, you know, this day, 2020, where you see this dismantling of gender roles that you yeah. see that people don't want gender roles in the household claiming that it's bad or that it's not progressive or whatever title they want to give to yeah. it. But the truth of the matter is, is that there is the Bible lays it out and it's not to degrade women. Cause I think that's what people are afraid of is degrading uh, uh, the women, but that's not at all what the Bible describes. Well, I mean, that's that's just what you'll get out of Genesis if mm-hmm. people just look back and see. First off, the problem is not your environment always. The problem is not something that happened to you in the past. Ultimately, the core issue that we really have is that we are sinners at heart and yep. in nature. And that dictates and flavors and points and affects everything in our life. So mm-hmm. just like Adam and Eve, they were they were cursed because they disobeyed God. Mm-hmm. And because Adam listened to his wife, that was one of the things that Adam was rebuked for by God. He said, because you listened to your wife, yeah. he was supposed to lead and he took the following role. I mean, we don't see that in Genesis, but that's right there. Yeah. God literally rebuked Adam, not for eating the fruit, but for listening to, to Eve. Wife, and yeah. Eve was rebuked for eating the fruit. So, I mean, when we see that the roles um, were there in the beginning, and they were distorted through sin. We see that man was given the privilege of naming every creature. I mean, mankind, mm-hmm. Adam, whoever names it, owns it. You know, if you walk around saying, you know, this is my street, I'm naming it. You have ownership. You have authority over that street. I have my children. I name every one of them. I don't ask somebody else. I don't ask the government to name my kids. I have authority over my children. Mm-hmm. So I named them. And Adam was given permission or the responsibility to name even Eve. So he has that 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 authority, that position of headship over her. That's mm-hmm. in the very beginning, you know. You know, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, mm-hmm. you are Eve. Like, Adam named Eve. We don't see that, but it's like he named his own wife. Yeah. And, and that's, not a, that's, not a, that's not depreciation. That's, that's literally, that's, that's just the position that God has put him in. And when you see that, you know, uh, the, after the... After the serpent deceived Eve, Eve was deceived and Adam followed suit. Uh, the curse was that, you know, you're going to, uh, he's, you're going to want, you're going to, you're going to desire, your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. Right. That doesn't mean that your desire is going to be for your husband because you weren't supposed to have sexual desires. That means that your desire will be for the headship that your mm-hmm. husband holds, but he will rule over you and it will not be a pretty ruling. It will be a harsh ruling. That's why everything that you see after Christ, all the New Testament epistles, they keep reversing the curse and commanding the right behavior. Mm -hmm. That's why Christian behavior is not just nice behavior. It's literally a a strive to reverse the original, um, into the original position. Mm -hmm. So husbands are taught to love their wives as Mm -hmm. Christ loved the church and not to be harsh with them because they will be harsh. Mm -hmm. And uh, wives are committed uh, commanded to submit to their husbands as unto the Lord because they don't submit. So the mm-hmm. wife, just like Eve, will want the husband's headship and the husband will rule over in his own anger and his own passions and his right. own aggression. And husbands are taught, be gentle and graceful with your wife. Wives, submit to your husbands. Fathers, be gentle with your children. Be patient. Don't grieve them. Don't aggravate them. Don't cause them distress because... In our sinful nature, we do that. So we're not getting new rules. We're, we're being told how to be because it was supposed to be this way. Yeah. So when we see this, it's like, yeah, and that's it's where, not wrong. Yeah, and then you know, going back to your experience in this prayer training, I think that, that's, how, that's the beginning of how things were going wrong, is that this 
woman yeah. was up there preaching or teaching amongst men, you know? And yeah. I think you, in the conversation we had about it, I think you put it well when you said that um, God will uh, skew the message in a way or skew the, the, the ministry in a way because it's not how he commands it according mm -hmm. to his word. Yeah, when people start stepping out of the bounds, it, mm -hmm. it won't be blessed. Not yeah. really. Mm -hmm. um, even though God can use false preachers and still get enough of the gospel out through them and someone gets saved. I heard yeah. somebody, heard a Joel Osteen message. They went home, got a Bible, read it, got saved, and never <laughs> went back to Joel Osteen's church. That's so awesome. Joel Osteen lifted a Bible, said some some sort of uh, words of affirmation. That's not right. a prayer. That's words of affirmation. I am wonderful. I am this. That is not to God. That's how. Right. That's all self. self uh, but that person help, help, held that idea that Joel Osteen just held the Bible up, went mm -hmm. home, read it, came to Christ and left the church, <laughs> went to a real church. And it's like awesome. false preachers, they curse themselves, but God can still use their words yeah. and do what he needs to do with it. Yeah. And that's, that's sometimes yeah, and, we'll see poor effort and good results. And yeah. we start making a system out of that. It's like your effort might've been completely flawed, yeah. but God is just merciful. Yeah, yeah, and that's how that's how God works. You even see it in the Bible when He used the donkey, or rather, yeah. I like the one where He uh, used the uh, what is they were casting lots. Yeah, and uh, and Jonah, uh, they they pointed to Jonah, you know, and they're like, oh, so they they knew that it was, you, it was, that you. It was him, you know. And I mean, God they were they were that. worshiping what God? Yeah, at exactly. that moment. I mean, they're what all they said they were all praying to their own gods. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like they are praying to fifty other gods that don't really exist. Yeah, and the God used their faulty method mm -hmm. to get a result, so that they would set their eyes on him and say, exactly. "All right." All of our gods are telling us that you're the problem. He's like, "Well, I'm actually the servant of the real God." It's yeah. like, "Yeah, really?" So yeah. it's like. Wow. Yeah. And God really and God is in charge. Yeah. yeah. And God will do that. So not to say that, you know, I mean, God knows how he works and something good might come out of something like that, yeah. but it's not going to be at a, you'll know when it's actually blessed by God yeah. or it'll just be like that man that you're talking about. You know, it'll just be that individual saw the Bible and like, oh, well, let me read that. And then yeah. he knew right away, this is not a real church you know? and that's why that's why we need to teach the truth because if we if we see people clinging to the false right uh because they get some of god's results mm -hmm. the, 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 i mean people god sends the rain on the just and the unjust you know he mm. heals people that are not even praying to him and that doesn't right. mean that the sh the shaman or the mystic that they go to the fortune teller is really the power of god it's just god will still be merciful and graceful even with the most wicked of attempts right so we we really need to know this god this mm -hmm. living god because yeah. our eternity depends on it yeah our eternity depends on you know this is eternal life that they know you mm -hmm. and jesus christ the one you sent like that that's the words of christ mm -hmm. this is eternal life that they know you not that they perform some of this that they do this it's that they know you really know you to know god is to 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 know him to have a, an actual intimacy with him yeah uh so some of the statements i, I wrote them down <laughs> And uh, this is what this, this woman gave throughout the study, throughout the training. She was encouraging and uh, guiding people that they, would, um, that, they would, that they would study into God's word and make time for prayer. All of that was wonderful. It was good. And that's something about, I'm going to say it, that's something about false preachers. Mm -hmm. They'll say so much truth that if you don't know the little the little deviations you don't know the small things that are big big important ones you can actually be like i heard so much bible come out of that person i'm gonna take what they say but false preachers preach the bible and twist it mm -hmm. so i mean that's what they'll do people that are not handling the word of god correctly will handle the word of god just incorrectly mm -hmm. so it's not just let me hear scripture come out of your mouth it's like what are you saying and doing with it right how are you describing god and what are you teaching here? So that's something that, uh, that I was doing my best to pick up on. I, I don't think I have the discernment of the ages in me, but I know that I am seeking to discern. And God, mm -hmm. God has given me enough discernment to realize some of the dangerous statements that were made by this yeah. woman, even though they were plotted because there was so much good that she said. And I was just completely disappointed from the moment she started making a few of the statements mm -hmm. until the end, because I realized it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm getting it. I'm hitting it. Like, there it is. There's that one. There's that. Overall, this message doesn't lead you to Christ. It leads mm -hmm. you to yourself. 
But there's so much Bible mm -hmm. that if you're not looking and discerning, realizing that first off, it's a woman preaching over men. Right. Second off, here's what other statements like you, you might actually get deceived. Even the elect sometimes sometimes are deceived by false preachers. That's mm -hmm. that's the that's the warning that that was given. So here's one of the statements that that she made. She said, God sometimes just wants to tell you that you're awesome. Yeah. Now, that wasn't the first statement that caught me, but that's just the first one I wrote down. And I just want to mm -hmm. say, that is not who God is. Mm -hmm. He loves us, and mm -hmm. that love was expressed in the most wonderful way. Greater love has no man than that you lay down your life for your, for, for your, or for your brother for or for friend. your friends. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus didn't just say, that's great love. That's the greatest, and then did something else. Jesus actually did the greatest thing to lay down your life for your friends. Mm -hmm. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave him sacrificially. He didn't huggy-feely, oh, I like you guys. I mean, our sins have separated us from God. God is not looking at us saying, you guys are wonderful. That's just not the gospel. The gospel is not we were so wonderful, God needed to save us. Who is it? Um, I think it's uh, Stephen Furtick. He says something along the lines of the cross is God showing you how valuable you are. Something along those lines, saying like, the, you, you, you are worth the life of God. It's like, no, God's glory is worth performing such a sacrifice. I mean, right. everything was for his glory. And uh, we could look at Deuteronomy, we could look at uh, Exodus, everything is for the glory of God. He even makes these statements, I should have destroyed you, I should have destroyed you, but for my glory, I did not. Yeah. I should have, but for my glory, I did not. I held back my hand. For my glory, for my glorious name to be praised, I yeah. didn't destroy you. God should have destroyed us from the moment we sinned. Mm -hmm. And instead, he killed animals, put their flesh, covered Adam and Eve, kicked them out of the fellowship, but still covered them. He performed the first death, covering them with skin. You can't atone for sin by that. It's, it's literally through the sacrifice of Christ. But when, when I looked at that, I was like, you know what? The love of God for sinners. Here's, here's John Piper's... Um, a little quote from his book, God's Passion for His Glory. He says, The love of God for sinners is not making much of them, but His graciously freeing and empowering them to enjoy making much of Him. So, so it's, it's God's gracious, freeing and empowering, graciously freeing and empowering people to enjoy making much of, much of Him. Like, that's, that's the love that God has for sinners. Not that he's like calling them all these wonderful things, right. but that he's, he's freeing them from their bondage so they can actually call him what he actually is. The wonderful, awesome creator of the universe and the sustainer and the, the rescuer of mankind. <clears throat> Sinners can't do that. Until we come to Christ, we're bound and slaves to sin. The Bible says that everywhere. You, yeah. you're, you're lost. You're dead in your trespasses. There's no hope for you until the king of hope, the king of glory comes and creates that hope in you, gives you this new, new life, new faith. Mm -hmm. um, so when, when she was saying, you know, God just wants to tell you that you're awesome. She was saying that when you pray and you spend time devoting, sometimes God's not going to be correcting you. Sometimes he's not going to be instructing you. Sometimes he just wants to tell you that you're awesome. And I'm like, listen, that is not who God is. And that's the same stuff you hear from Bethel or Hillsong. And their, their services are, are really skewed, especially when you see what they do at the altar, how they uh, blaspheme the Holy Spirit, how they make it seem like the Holy Spirit's like, he looks like a green Smurf to me or, or a blue Smurf, like... You know, they like that. they say things like wow. they have a lot of women preachers there too. Mm -hmm. And again, it goes in the same direction. It twists mm -hmm. what's right and it goes in an awkward direction. Another one is there was a woman that had MS sitting behind me, uh, multiple sclerosis. Yeah. This is a debilitating thing that I know God can heal. He can, but in many cases, he doesn't heal some diseases for his own glory, for his own purpose. But people come to saving faith and they learn to glorify God in the midst of their sickness. And that's a pretty God-glorifying God thing for a sick person to give God the glory even though they remain sick. I mean, yeah. that's that's them abandoning their yeah. themselves for God. That's a yeah. wonderful testament. No, yeah, and that's, that's something, I mean, not something that I can 100% relate to, you know, uh, MS is more serious but i have you know that i have a condition yeah you know and god hasn't healed me and i don't i believe that he has the power to heal me but he hasn't or he won't 
And I still can glorify God even through that because it is his will mm-hmm. and not my will, you know. And and I just I keep going back to that, that section in the Bible uh, where Paul uh, asked God to remove the thorn in his flesh three times. And all uh, God responded to him was, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient enough. And, and that, I just take that to heart. And yeah, God's grace is sufficient, you know. And I will continue on to however long uh, God puts me on this earth. Yeah. His grace to save mm-hmm. you is and, more than enough. Yeah, and I will glorify with ailment, without ailment. You know, it's not going to slow down God's work or God's will in my life. Amen. Um, when, when, when that woman was asking if... Because the, the teacher was saying that um, she is seeing all kinds of sicknesses go. She lays right. her hands and all this stuff. And, and it seemed, she had this like very uh, comfortable attitude in speaking about this. Okay. And the woman behind me with MS, who apparently her brother also has MS, said, what about MS? Like, mm-hmm. how, what's the likelihood of that? Because she's like, I have MS. Yeah. And, and the woman was saying she has MS. She believes she's healed. But every time she goes to the doctor, there's still lesions on her brain. So I'm like, that's not healed. You're not healed, even mm-hmm. if you feel healed, if you're not healed, you know? Yeah. So sometimes people get convinced in, in certain circles that if you just say it over yourself or you feel a certain way, it's it's happening. Like, but if it's not happening, it's not it's happening. Not real, you know, yeah. you can't just fool yourself saying, I feel healed. Yeah. It's like if there's still sickness evident mm-hmm. in your life, don't lie about don't, it. Don't yeah. lie about it. Don't, don't, don't think that God is not strong enough or that mm-hmm. you're making him look bad by not healing you. God doesn't mm-hmm. heal everyone. But there are wonderful testimonies of people that go all the way to their grave glorifying God and taking people to Christ with them. Yeah. I mean, they turn people to Christ on their way to death because mm-hmm. they have a glorious uh, attitude on their way to death while other people are just miserable and depressed because their mm-hmm. whole life is ending. Yeah. Well, Christians, their whole life doesn't end. It finally begins free of sin when they yeah. end it here and begin mm-hmm. it in glory. I mean, Amen. to die, to live is Christ. To die is gain. It's it's to get what you've been living for if you're living Christ. Mm-hmm. To live is to live for Christ. Mm-hmm. To die, you get what you've been living for. It's like yeah. you finally cash out yeah. for the first time ever. It's like it's not a loss. It's a, yeah. it's a final gain. Yeah, and I think uh, you and I have had the privilege to see that recently with yeah. Sister Spinoza. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm 100% sure that she has the, the nurses or doctors that she came in contact with, just people in general, even uh, brothers and sisters that she came in contact with uh, during her entire sickness uh, up until she passed. You know, she she did. She left, um, I mean, the way God used her and she left gloriously. She left praising God. And she told me, she's like, I'm not afraid of dying. She's like, I know what happens to me after I die. And that is just such a beautiful and, and, and just praiseworthy, praising God that she said that, you know, that... She's able to live that way, um, but I do want to touch on you know uh, with these. Um, we see it all the time with these uh, preachers or or he- healing ministers. You know, yeah. yeah. It's I think it, it, this is something I really wanted to touch on because I think a lot of people get lost. You know, in when it comes to healing ministries, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of people, um, and I, I get it. Because you're desperate, you know, you're desperate for a healing, you're desperate uh, to see a miracle, you know, and it's, it's very important to understand, you know, to pray in God's will and, and not our own, you know. And so I really want to touch on that because some, you know, that I've seen these preachers that have come down and they're like, oh, well, you know, come up to the altar and I'm praying for this or I'm praying for that because there's going to be a healing for that. And people come up, they get prayed for. There's uh there's tears, there's crying and, and whatnot, and then they leave the same because they're still sick or they're mm-hmm. still whatever the ailment is, you know, and then they begin to doubt, well, did I believe enough? Or is God really powerful enough? It, it just it creates these uh these uh doubts that you know, that's a terrible that thing that somebody yeah. actually is is convinced that they didn't believe enough. Yeah. I mean they, they literally how do you change that? You know, yeah. like how much like what button needs to be pushed yeah for your belief to be enough Mm -hmm. if if you don't believe enough i mean Mm -hmm. i'm sure there's a lot of people that show up to church that have no faith they're just arrogant stubborn atheists right for whatever reason right but a lot of people that show up have some value of faith Mm -hmm. and faith even enough to show up to a church that's going to talk about the invisible god of the universe 
that's enough faith to save. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. enough. If you have faith like Christ says, seed. small yeah. faith, you know, it could yeah. grow to something big and be effective. I mean, we shouldn't say you didn't have enough faith. It's like he, they had enough faith to pray. I mean, mm-hmm. my dad won't even let me pray over him. Mm. He has no faith. <laughs> like he won't even let it. Maybe he has so much faith that he actually knows God's real. He just doesn't want to submit. I don't know where he's at, but he won't let me. When I, when my mom and I, when, when I want to pray over my mom, she right. still, she has yet to understand if she's really going to con- come to Christ and announce that, like make that proclamation. She's, right. but she's willing to hear what I have to say because I'll keep saying it. But the minute that my mom's like, you know, I got, I got a friend. Let's pray for him or something like that, and I'll be happy to pray. My dad will leave the room like faster than anything else. Like, right. like he, he's out of there. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even want to be around prayer. And I think personally that that might be like a, like a heart issue. Like he's actually, yeah. he's actually feeling some conviction or recognizing mm-hmm. something because yeah. I wouldn't run from something I wasn't there. Right. You know, I might run some from something I don't want to deal with. Yeah. But I, I mean, if someone's praying, and and I'm like. That does nothing. I'm like, I, I don't have anywhere to go. It's like, I'm sorry that you're wasting your time. Yeah. I've had people that like literally say, sure. And they're like, they're like playing video games while someone yeah. tries to pray for them. It's yeah, like, just... that person is literally showing no evidence of faith whatsoever. <laughs> but usually people that leave, run or argue or start yelling, those yeah. are the ones that have something going on. Yeah. I don't know how far it's going to get. Mm-hmm. But to, to actually tell someone, you don't have enough faith. Mm-hmm. What a... What a demonic doctrine. Mm. I mean, that's that's how you bring people to start thinking that they have to fix themselves mm-hmm. before they can come to Christ. I mean, that's like telling people, get away. You're not ready. It's like, what what doctor is going to help them get ready for Christ right. other than Christ? I mean, mm-hmm. where else are they going to go? Are they going to go to, you know, like... To VBS, do they have to wait for the next VBS before they can show up and be like, okay, okay, I got the basics. I'm just picturing these grown men a lot, a, around yeah. a bunch of kids. Yeah, I mean, are you going to send them away to like, yeah. yeah, like what, what is it, Adam Sandler in that movie? Like just sitting in a classroom, he's a grown adult. <laughs> it's like, are we going to tell people, you need to go home, read the book of John, then you yeah. can come pray. It's like, what? Yeah. Like, your faith is, is never going to be this excellent stellar perfectly unmingled with sin or doubt kind of faith. Mm -hmm. But it's enough to take real steps towards Christ. I mean, real genuine steps in Mm -hmm. your faith. Healing doesn't occur when you want it to occur. It occurs when God wants it to occur. I mean, there's a lot of things that people want. We can't expect that God's going to give us everything we want. He's not here to do our will. He's not Mm -hmm. our genie. And it seems like when someone teaches that, she was saying, um, the spirit of MS... Because the woman said, you know, Kent, how about that? Like yeah. she's suffering from MS and her yeah. brother apparently was worse. And all I heard is that I'm not even looking at the woman because my heart is grieved because I'm yeah. already like at this point, I'm already grieved. This is not the second statement that was made, but this was like an hour and a half into it. Enough statements have been made by this woman for me to be grieved right. at how she's describing or teaching or explaining the word God. And the, the, the attention she's getting, mostly women in the crowd, some men. The attention is this, this gripping attention. Like these women are hungry. They mm. want to know how to pray. And this person's right. telling them this is what prayer is. God just wants to tell you, buddy, buddy wants to tell you you're your best friend. Like that is not who God is. And that's right. not what prayer is. There's a friendly relationship with God because we're no longer enemies of the cross. But there's not a buddy, buddy. We are, we are servants mm-hmm. to a master. I mean, Jesus is the one that said, even when you do everything, just, just admit You've only done what you were supposed to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. There's no like, hey, God, you told me to clean the room. I clean the room and the backyard. You're not going to impress God and do more than he's ever expected you to do. Right. You, you might try, and that's a religious zeal where people try to get brownie points with God. But that's not the relationship. Even when we do everything we're supposed to do, it's still littered with sin. Sinful thoughts, sinful ideations, yeah. proud arrogance. It's it's always there with us. Yeah. I can't wait to get rid of this sinful body because it's always with me. Yeah. Even when I even when I do something good for my kids, I might pat myself on the back for being yeah. a good dad. Yeah. Pride. It, it might not be serious, but yeah. it's serious enough yeah. to be and there. Those, yeah, those thoughts are, are always there. That's yeah. something that, that it doesn't I, go. I catch more and more. <laughs> And, I, and yeah, it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. Yeah. Whether I'm walking down the street, and the, a thought will come into my mind that shouldn't be there, you know. It's up to me whether I entertain <clears throat> it or not. You know, I'm a man. Sometimes I'll entertain it. And then I'm like, well, what, am, what are you doing? Because it, it doesn't leave, you know. It yeah. is. You're right. When you say it's littered with sin. I could, I could be 
Um, and I'm not by by a long shot, but I could be somebody who preaches sermons that you know gathers crowds. I am still a sinful man. Yeah, you know, God, the sin is still in me. Absolutely, mm-hmm. we, we we have to we have to continue to grow in our humility. Of course, and that means realizing how much of a sinner we still are, even when yeah. we come so close to Christ. You know, the closer you come to the light, you'll see the stain better. Mm-hmm. And some people think that the closer, the longer I walk with God, I'll I'll look better. Maybe to the world because you're going to grow in sanctification, yeah. but to yourself, you're going to see your mess more than anyone else. That's why real people that are sanctified are not proud boasters because mm-hmm. they realize exactly how wretched they are. They're like, oh man. Like I've heard someone once tell me a while ago, like, wow, you're patient. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what do you mean? And yeah. and maybe where I was before was obviously a lot less patient. There was no patience in me. And God has grown me to some extent in patience. I have a long way to go and I'm not done. I'm not slowing down because I want to keep going because I got right. issues. But wow, to hear somebody saying, well, I was like, you're like patient. I'm like, you have no idea who I am. Like yep. the fact that there was any any resemblance of patience in me, yeah. I praise God for that because mm-hmm. I want that. Yeah. But I don't see what I want to see in me yeah. yet. Like yeah. I still see the, if the mess. Yeah, if there's any good that comes out of us, it comes directly from God. It comes directly from God because uh, if it were up to me to do anything out of my own will or my out of myself, yeah. it's it's going to either just not work out or it's just going to be something bad. Yeah, it would just be self-seeking. It would be fleshly. It would be yeah. carnal. So uh, the woman said, how, how, how about MS? Mm-hmm. The, the, the preaching lady, the teacher said, oh, MS? And she said it in this very flippant way. And I think she might have actually done the hand wave. I, I don't want to misquote what happened. Yeah. But she said, oh, that's easy to take off you. Yeah. And she made it seem like it's a garment that's stuck on you. She just removes it with a quick prayer or a quick laying on the hand. I'm like, that is, that is not, <laughs> who speaks like that? Yeah. Like, who says that? Oh, MS, easy. It's like, yeah. that's a debilitating thing that kills people. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, it's easy. It's yeah. like, you're going to say that to cancer patients in the cancer ward too? Like, ah, it's easy to get rid of that. You just don't have enough faith. Like, what are you going to do there? Yeah. If you have that kind of a statement about a debilitating disease that doesn't have an actual cure but has treatment, mm-hmm. you might as well go to every sick corner of every hospital and start making those statements. If that, you have such faith to say that to a room of seemingly healthy people, you should be able to say to the sick people too. That that kind of comes off to me as if, like, she's the one doing the healing. Yeah. You know, yeah. like if she's like, oh, that's easy. That's something that I've done before. Or that's something that, that I do normally. Yeah. You know, it just, it sounds like she's the healer. That, that's know? when, that's when people believe that, uh, the gift, the gift is something that they, they, they power and they, yeah. they don't understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They don't yeah. understand what that really is. I mean, the gifts are to edify the church. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I have my own view on, on how the, uh, as far as I see, I, I have a, I'm I'm more leaning towards the cessationist, mm-hmm. but not entirely in the same way that some uh, let's say some Calvinists, some Reformed people might might cling to this belief that you know there's there's no activity, no, no. there's there's no miraculous. I'm like no, I've seen I've seen in in real legitimate godly biblical ministry, I've seen miracles take place. Yeah. Uh, not these great showy things, not at all. But but even before a prayer, someone speaking the word, and then someone just. Something that was wrong is no longer wrong. Mm -hmm. So I've seen God minister Mm -hmm. uh, intervening in the midst of our human ministries. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I've seen people with, with unique discernment. And, and I know like that, they didn't look at anything. They just, God told, like God led them in some way to have that discernment about a situation, about a need, about something like that. It's not like, oh, you know, this is your address. I know this. Like, it's not what you see on those TV uh, evangelists where they're describing your P.O. box and Mm -hmm. telling you that you need to to be more faithful in your giving. It's it's literally ministering to the need. Like there's been a time that I came to church and I was grieved. I had a catastrophic situation and I walked into church. I, I haven't been in a year because I went to visit back home and I was just all in grief and mm-hmm. I, I tried to play it off. I, I don't want people to like come and right. pat me on the back. So I walk into church like I want to hear God's word. And the minute I walk in, the person that I haven't seen in a year, the worship leader, she immediately announces in front of the whole church Ooh. saying, hey, church, this is our friend Andrew. He hasn't visited in a while. I just I just sense you have a great need and God, God. God hears. God's God's with you in this. And and it was it was not like 
it wasn't show. It wasn't. It, it really was like, hey, we're gonna interrupt and we're gonna pray for you right now. And they brought me to the front, and I was just because I was literally doubting where I stood with God at that moment. It was uh-huh. literally one of those like I messed up, and I had consequences coming, and I I hated what happened, and I felt guilty, and I messed up, and I was just like, like, does this distance me? In, in in like eternal ways what? from God. I was so broken. And the fact that she spoke in that way, it wasn't it wasn't wild or outrageous. It was so severe and so specific and so necessary at that time. Wow. It ministered to me. And after that, you know, there was no show. Like it, they all interrupted, prayed. I I I let them I received that prayer. Like I was praying like Yes, God used this person to affirm that he's not abandoning me. Mm-hmm. That was very important for me. And after that, I enjoyed the rest of the service. And it was right. just a glorious confirmation. Wow. So I've seen special discernments in that way. But not the wild antics that yeah. people sometimes claim. Yeah. So so I have this view on, on the spiritual gifts that really are for the ministry. Like mm-hmm. they really are to edify people, not to show off. So once mm-hmm. your ministry becomes a show off, Either if you start teaching, you start wearing something where you're just bragging about yourself or just the way you talk. Yeah, and that's that's something because uh, I've been, you know me, I've been in the church for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, since up. I was yeah, since I was young, you know, I'm, um, you know, and, and I'm pretty sure I've said this around you before, where you know it doesn't matter if you grow up in the church. I guess the advantage you have is that you're closer. To the word, you're closer. You're in the environment, you know, where you could actually catch something. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're saved because your parents take you to church or anything like that. Um, but I remember in when I was younger, you know, in my teenage years, and I would see these preachers come down to the to the church, and I mean, we had a lot a lot of preachers come down. Uh, some of them, yeah, I could think back and be like, yeah, these people were bringing in the word of God. And then there were some that they ended their sermons with these miraculous healings. Mm-hmm. And then they'll tell the people, oh, you're going to feel this. Oh, you're going to feel that, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and, and that's where the healing is and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And then afterwards, they'd be like, if you want to buy my CD of my sermons, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that all that never felt right in me. But that was when I was like, oh, maybe there's something wrong with me. You know, for thinking that of a preacher or thinking that of somebody that is healing people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I can look back at it now, you know, you know, thank God that he's put me where I am now. And I can look back and be like, wow, I, I have a, some of that discernment now where, where I can see, yeah, these men were not, they were not based off of the word and they were really doing their own thing at yeah. that point, you know, and then I, I just keep thinking, and I feel so bad. I'm like, how many people did they mislead? You know, and um, unfortunately, my dad was one of those too, because there was a point where my dad, he was actually coming to church, he actually got baptized. Okay. Um, but during that time, some of these preachers were coming in, and, and he would see that these people weren't actually healed. Yeah, you know what I mean? And, and, and he had these long, uh, discussions with my mom, like, but they're not healed. They're not healed. How, how is God, you know, real if these people aren't healed? And, and it just from there, I mean, the, that man had a lot of stuff that he was dealing with. And, um, you know, but it, it's one of those things where I'm like, how, how negatively does that affect people that go to church and witness these things? And then witness these non-healings you know what i mean with these bombastic and these huge uh, shows that god is gonna heal i mean and even it's even mocked in the internet um you'll see uh the, that famous guy uh the, yeah that, oh benny benny Hinn. benny Hinn. yeah you'll see that guy and he's like throwing his coat and people are getting knocked over that's just that's just a complete disorder and again, his nephew, I'm, his nephew Costi Hen came out. Oh yeah, I saw yeah, that. God, yeah. God did a work in him. Yeah, yeah, he, absolutely. He showed him the doctrines of grace, and mm-hmm. God just worked a wonderful, wonderful work with him. Yeah, and and then Costi is the one that gives the insights about the yeah. actual yeah. things going on with Benny's ministry, like yeah, behind the, the scenes, rich, yeah. lavish lifestyle. Yeah. It's like, like yeah, he really exposed him. I saw yeah. that, and I was so, like, wow. So God rescues people. Amen. Amen. But uh, but so, it's it's so much damage that we can do on the way. Yeah, so that's, that's a terrible thing. And I wanted to touch too because. Uh, we were talking about, you know, uh, uh, questioning someone's faith, you know, like, oh, they don't have enough faith. 
I kind of see the other side of that too. Um, Not, I don't want to say somebody that has too much faith, but maybe somebody that has misplaced faith Mm -hmm. where they believe God will heal them so much that, 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 that they're going to have to get up and walk out of that wheelchair yeah. at this very moment. Like, I wanted to touch on that, too, because there, there have I'm been seeing stories. that, too. There have been stories of people that have gone to these fake, uh, these false healing, uh, what do you call them, ministries or shows, evangelists, those yeah. those traveling evangelists. And there's been people that have, for example, had back surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've heard more than one story about this. And okay. I know that it's true because if, you're, if you have back surgery, you got to wear a brace and you can't get up. You're not supposed to. Your back is basically being held together by a brace that needs to heal. Okay. And if you get up, you, something's going to slip. Someone's going to rub against a bone or against a bone. You're going to get infection. You're going to die. Mm-hmm. And uh, there will be people that get so amped up that because someone said, you're healed. Get up and walk. They'd get up. They'd take the brace off. They'd start taking steps and they'd claim healing. And then a few days later, they die because they had an infection because they should never have even stood up in wow. the first place. And it's like we can get overwhelmed by emotions so much that yeah. we don't feel something that's terribly wrong, yeah. like severe pain that we should be feeling. Because in you know endorphins are real; like yeah. our body works. You know that's yeah. why if you get into the wrong relationship, you can think it's right because of all the lovely feelings you get out of, of it. Yeah. But it's wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. So. In the same way, us, people yeah. come to the altar and they, they expect something and they can amp themselves up emotionally to, to get some sort, of a, some sort of a momentary high experience. Like they actually get amped up and start feeling something and they, they attribute all of that to God. So then for them now, God becomes this feeling that they need to get. Mm-hmm. So every time they come to the altar, they got to amp up everything in their prayer life to make sure they get that feeling again. Like, so the prayer is no longer about God. It's about their feeling because they just want to get it. It's like it's like a it becomes like a drug to some people. They actually come to the altar seeking that feeling, and when they get it, tears galore. They just they feel saved again. Yeah. Because with those teachings, they're also sometimes taught that you can lose your salvation. Right. So they feel like they need that reminder that they're still saved, or God re-rescued them, and they just they have this incredible experience. But it it does nothing for their relationship with God because for them at that point, God becomes this good feel. Uh, experience. It's not. It's not so much to serve an honor, even in the midst of hardships when the feelings don't get better. Mm-hmm. For example, First um, Peter chapter one verse six and seven. It talks. Uh, that's why it's so destructive. What she was saying to that woman with MS. I mean, poor woman. Um, and shame on that teacher because she was making it seem like, oh, that's easy. I'm like, but that woman continued with MS all the way through. If 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 you're gonna say something like that, walk up and make it happen. Right. Don't leave that person with that thought. Well, are you gonna pray for me today? Because right. you just said MS can go away, right. and I'm still trying to figure out if if I'm gonna walk home with MS or without today. Like, yeah. if you're Especially gonna say you it's claim, easy, yeah, if you claim yeah. it's easy, yeah. If you're gonna say it's easy, walk up and do it so that mm-hmm. easy can be proven. And that woman's grief will just end right there. Don't mm-hmm. give her this promise and say, you know, and at the end be like, eh, you know, maybe maybe later. That's what I've seen sometimes. Someone makes a claim, and then when it doesn't happen, they're like, keep praying. Mm-hmm. It's like, why, why did you make this claim yeah. and then tell me to do all the work? Yeah. You know, like, that's like saying, you know, you're saved by grace through faith. Now go do all these things to get saved. It's like, what is that? That's not the gospel. The gospel is you're saved by grace through faith. When you hear the word, the message about the gospel, the gospel of your salvation, and you believe you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, which mm-hmm. is a guarantee of your inheritance until you take possession of it. Ephesians mm-hmm. chapter 1, verse 13, 14, we are literally saved at that moment. We're not told to go perform some deeds mm-hmm. to acquire salvation. We're right. commanded to perform with, we're commanded to perform as we now should be mm-hmm. believers. Yeah. We're commanded now to do what we now can do. You know, when you, when you join the army, they don't expect you to know how to shoot a rifle before you join while you're signing the papers. But once you join, you put on the suit and you do what your boss tells you. In the same way, when you say, I believe, live it out. Because now you have the ability to resist temptation and sin to some degrees, Mm -hmm. to grow in the grace, to hunger and desire the word of God, to actually exclaim and proclaim the gospel. Now you have this ability to overcome temptation and sin in some ways to varying Mm -hmm. degrees. You have that now. Now live it. Someone says, I'm saved and I don't have to go anywhere. It's like, wouldn't you want to, if you have the Holy Spirit, whose yeah. only purpose is to glorify God through Christ, mm-hmm. to conform you to the image of Christ? Like, wouldn't that be the ultimate purpose of the Holy Spirit? Or are we really thinking that the Holy Spirit's here to make us feel good at the altar? Right. 
Like we really don't see that yeah. in scripture where the Holy Spirit is your, your, uh, your pick-me-up. He's your comforter. Yeah. He's not your pick-me-up. He's, he's God, the Holy <laughs> Spirit. Like he really is your comforter, your sanctifier, the one that conforms you, the one that reminds you, confronts you, convicts you. And, yeah. and he could cheer up your sensations, your feelings, but he's not your like... My, he's not your coffee shot. Like he's, he's just not, not your drug. Yeah, he's not yeah. your Tylenol. Yeah, he's he, so much more than that. Yeah, and and I just to piggyback on that. Yeah. yeah, the the convictions. You know, when somebody is truly repented, somebody truly comes to Christ. Yeah. If for whatever reason you go and sin, that's you don't enjoy sin. You don't enjoy it the same way you did before you came to Christ. Yeah, because you grieve the spirit and, and you just. You have the for me, in my yeah, yeah, in my experience, you know, uh, as somebody who who came to Christ and then decided to be foolish, you know, even in my foolishness, I really had to fight the spirit to yeah. to calm it down, just so that I could enjoy, you know, getting drunk or just so yeah. that I could enjoy doing something something stupid. It's not just know? a guilt trip; it's an actual conviction. Yeah, you yeah, live with I, it. Yeah, you go and at I, home, I had, you lay your head down on the pillow. He's still there with you. Yeah, so. and it's like I had to fight it. Like I felt almost physically pushing the the spirit of god you know yeah. and thank god you know? he's more yeah, powerful thankful. than you yeah <laughs> otherwise thankful. we'd have a problem yeah uh first peter 1 uh 6 and 7 says in this you rejoice and it just said you were saved by by god's grace you were given a new hope for the resurrection all through christ's resurrection mm-hmm. you're given that hope uh, and you're being kept by the power of god through faith and in this in this salvation you rejoice though now for a little while if necessary You've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm. We are tested according to God's will. We're not tested according to our own will. We're not saying, God, you know what? I'm giving you um, giving you my, my top three things that I really need you to do for me now. Mm-hmm. I need you to work in my patience because I know what's best. Yeah. I need you to I need you to work in uh, in my attitude because I know what's it's like, no, no, no. We 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 pray God's will over ourselves. Mm-hmm. We don't pray to God our will, telling him yep. this is what we this is what you're gonna have to do now, God. It's like we're we're not giving any instructions to mm-hmm. our king. We're taking yeah. all of it. And when we learn his word, we know how to take it and to reflect it and to repeat it back to him. Like, God, this is your will. So mm-hmm. I submit. Like, it's it's a conformity to the will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind Amen. so yeah. that you can know what is that good and pleasing and perfect will of God. Just get in the word so that you can be conformed to the will of God. Renew and transform your mind according to his word. Don't do it based on feelings. Mm-hmm. Feelings come and go in all the worst ways sometimes. Yeah. But but when we look at this, it's like if if the tested genuineness of our faith is being proven through trials and suffering and persecution, because it says, if uh if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Not if accidentally or if the devil beat God at that moment. It says if necessary. In this grace, in this salvation, you rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, God's the one that decides what's necessary. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're the ones saying, man, I've been tested by trials, that devil. It's like, God's the one that brought it in. Yeah. He's not blaming anyone. He's telling you and me to be faithful because our faith is being refined like fire. God's bringing a test. He's bringing knuckleheads into our life so we learn to be patient. He's bringing circumstances where we don't get our way so we learn to not get our way. He's bringing all this stuff into our life so that we can grow in our gr- in grace and, and to give God the glory, not mm-hmm. to try to always get our way. Mm-hmm. But this woman, she might be going through MS and, and yet her faith should be the most number one thing that is in her life. And even with this horrible, debilitating problem, Mm -hmm. she can give the most maximal glory to God if she pursues him as Mm -hmm. if he is her greatest treasure. Mm -hmm. And if God does one day heal her before she dies, praise be to God. Mm -hmm. But if he doesn't, praise be to God? Like, that's the question we have to ask. Like, will you praise him if he says no? And if he says no, are you going to check and see if he really said no? Or are you Mm going to think, he said no. This is my life. Mm-hmm. I'm going to live it for the glory of God or I'm going to look to the shaman so he can heal me because that yeah. guy does it. Like, 
where will you go for your healing? Mm-hmm. I was talking to one of my friends and I, I posted this one thing from MacArthur. And MacArthur makes some straightforward statements that I appreciate because I like straightforward guys. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it could seem insensitive, but I think sometimes it gets, it gets the point across. It says something along these lines. You know, if somebody's you know, people that are seeking primarily meaning, primarily people that are seeking miracles, healings, uh, visions, uh, all this stuff, they, they are deceived because they seek that instead of Christ. So the, so the statement was something along the lines of if they're seeking that, instead of Christ, they're, they're looking for the byproducts. They're mm-hmm. looking for possible byproducts yep. as their number one. You, you can't do that. You know, you seek God for his salvation. You yeah. seek Christ for his sanctification. You, you seek him because, because he's the one that is your bread of life. He's yeah. the one that is your salvation, your light. He's, he's the opener of eyes, the changer of yep. hearts. There, there's a line in a song that, that goes well with this conversation. It's, help me want the healer more than the healing. Yeah. You know, and that's that's where we should all be is, is seeking God first, you know. Because if you're seeking the byproduct, you're not really seeking God. You're really just wanting to make yourself yeah. feel better or be better so that you could go on doing whatever you want. I mean, that's like that's like fornication. You can go out and sleep with whoever you want. You mm. get what you want out of it. Yeah. But what, what about, about the, the person? person? Did that person yeah. even matter? And mm. that's a that might seem like a vulgar comparison. But in reality, that's that's what that person can give to you. But that's not who the person is. Right. And and if we're just looking for what God can give to us, we can get that kind of stuff out of Walmart. We can get providence. We can we can go to the homeless shelter and get food for free if we just ask. But but God is saying, ask me. Yeah. Uh, seek me because the heathen they run after all this stuff. Jesus yeah. said in Matthew six, I think, or seven. Uh, it's like you know the heathen they run after the clothes, the food, the shelter. But but you know if I take care of birds and they don't do anything other than just fly around and take care of themselves. You don't think I'm going to provide for you? Yeah. But seek first the kingdom of God and his mm-hmm. righteousness. And Jesus is considered the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, one more thing. Um, Job 38, 8 to 11. Job 38, 8 to 11. Um, and I think after this, I'll, uh, we, might, we might have to... To be carry on, yeah, yeah, to be continued, because yeah. that's that's halfway through page one, so yeah. I, I really want to and there's there's want to get more into it. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Job thirty eight eight to eleven says this, uh, or who shut in the sea with? This is when God's already answering Job, um, or who shut in the sea with doors, or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb. When I made clouds its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed limits for it, and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far shall you come, and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. This is God saying, I've set the limits to things. I'm in charge of the limits. I'm in charge of the limits of COVID. I'm in charge of the limits of life. Mm -hmm. I'm in charge of the limits of weather, precipitation, of temperature, degrees, gravity, strength, pressure, all things. I'm in charge of how bad catastrophes get or how far they spread. I'm in charge of your body and its its viability. Mm -hmm. So if, if God brings sickness, some of those sicknesses will be there. And it will either be a stumbling block because we're always trying to fix that one little thing. Just yeah. like Paul was trying to fix whatever it was. He was trying to fix it. Yeah. And eventually God said, my grace in saving you and rescuing you while you are on your way to kill my people and persecute me, my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah. That's enough. You could be sick, losing your eyesight, whatever it is. You could go through that pain, cataracts, whatever the pain might have been. You can go through that, but I don't have to heal you. I think a lot of people don't look at that mm-hmm. and see that. It's like God was saying, I don't have to heal you. Yeah. It's enough that I save your soul. Mm-hmm. And and right here, God is saying, you know, who are you, Job? Were yeah. you there when I created all this stuff? Yeah. I'm the one that sets the limits for the waves. They don't go past me. God's the one that sets the limit or the, the time limit or even the progression limit or the severity of diseases. Yep. And sometimes the fact that your MS allows you to even walk or even get by and not die immediately, that's God's limit not going all the way to death right away. That's that's just his limitation. Sometimes our disease or our sickness or our trouble doesn't consume us, but it troubles us. Right. Enough for us to pray. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just consider that 
prayer comes from trouble, but not always to relieve the trouble. Yeah. But to relieve our own self, self-sufficient attitudes or our own yeah. self-seeking nature. I mean, sometimes prayer is brought on by sickness, yeah. not as a punishment, but as a method God uses to get really us focused better. on what's yeah. really right. Oh. And sometimes when it stays, we start thinking, maybe I'm not praying right. It's like, God does not necessarily have to heal you. But the fact that he's got something in your life that's going to always bring your attention to him. Just learn to glorify him for that. <laughs> Fine, ask for healing. Ask for it. I know God can and does mm-hmm. at times heal through prayer, just through His miraculous providence, through medication, through circumstances, wonderful circumstances. Amen. But the ultimate thing cannot be, God, my body needs to heal. It's like, well, what if it doesn't? Will you preach the gospel to your neighbor? What if you're in a sick bed because you're going to heaven because you know Christ and your, 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 your hospital roommate doesn't know Christ? What if your testimony about Christ, while you're still getting the bad diagnosis and you're still getting a time limit on your life, what if your testimony about Christ could be the one thing that God uses to save that person's soul because you proclaim the word of God and this person believes? Mm -hmm. Why are you begging to get out of that bed if I'm bringing you to serve one person with your testimony? Sometimes we think we have to live this life with running and screaming. I'm like, God does not need you to run and scream everywhere. He's got athletes for that. (laughs) If he breaks you, Where does he put you after your brokenness? Mm -hmm. Does he put you among people that are broken? Does he put you among people that are just like you or have something that you could relate to? You might not even look or act like them or have a testimony like them, but you're right there. Sometimes people think you got to be in the pulpit to preach. Preach at a gas pump. You know, preach when you get in trouble. (laughs) I I was was paying a ticket. I was paying a ticket uh, because I ran a red light. I did not know. It was a red light. It was one of those things where in Phoenix, I was like, it's yellow, I'll make it. And I didn't make it. And Phoenix has those, those flashers. They take the picture and all that. Yeah. So I got the picture in the mail. I'm drinking a slushy. My wife's there looking at me. And in the thing, it's, it's red. I'm, I got the slushy and my kids are all in the back. And I'm like, ah, oh, something yeah, dollar ticket. So I had to do this class to get the ticket kind of expunged from my record. But I had to pay 200 something bucks for the class. Right. When I went to pay the ticket or to show up and find out what can I do, can I alleviate this? Do I have to get the points? Um, I was sitting there and there was another guy who was traffic court. I don't know what his charge was. I was just there like, I hope I could convince them to not give me the charge. I'm sitting there and I usually, usually I have gospel tracks in my pocket. I got all sorts of them. I got Spanish, English. And when I'm back in, in, in the East Side, I have, I have Russian because I'm around a lot of Russians. Nice. So I usually have them because I, I find that I can give them to just about anybody in the most unexpected times. Gas pump, ga- uh, here, the waiters, this, like so many different places. And I'm sitting there and it's like a pew of us waiting to hear the judge because everyone's in there fighting their tickets and stuff. So I'm just sitting there and I, I look to God on my left and I just, I just sense in my heart like, I want to give this person a gospel track. I don't know who he is or whatnot. So I, I pull out. I pull out my gospel track, and before I have a chance to hand it to him, he hands me a gospel track. <laughs> and I'm looking at him like, yo! And I show him my Bible track. I'm like, hey! And then we begin to praise God. That's like, awesome. Like, yes! And it's like, we're in traffic court. Yeah. We messed up. We, whether it's a lot or a little, we did not do right. Yeah. We were there for a disciplinary thing, to yeah. get a charge, to get shown like, hey, you're getting suspended your license, whatever the case. Some people lost their licenses that day. But it's like, that's an opportunity to preach the gospel. Amen. And it just shows me. I was just glad to see because I don't usually see people passing out gospel tracts regularly. I right. see people going out and ministering to the homeless, uh, ministering here. But you just in regular kind of every day, you just, I don't see it. And I don't know how many people do it, and I hope that there's more undercover agents for God. Mm-hmm. But it was good to see that that brother was there getting a ticket, just mm-hmm. like me. And here he's we are, like the gospel. He's about to give me the gospel. I'm like, yo, and we talked a little bit. It was just a God praising moment. That's it's so like awesome, man. we we do not have to be in a pulpit to preach the gospel mm-hmm. because God, Jesus Christ, literally said, "Go out into the world." He didn't say, "Go situate a pulpit and preach to them." There's a time and there's a place and there's a position for people that have a pulpit, people that are willing to go to the pulpit and stand and listen or sit and listen to that person preach. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times we got to go to the people that don't even hear it. Yeah. And we have to have a right view yeah, on God. I mean, a pulpit is only what, twice a week? Yeah. Maybe Sunday and then whatever day in between the week. You know what I mean? And what about the other days where church <laughs> exactly. is not open? Especially in a time like this where a lot of churches are, are Yeah, Yeah, there's, there's, there's parts in other, other parts of the country. I'm still surprised to hear that because... 
you were open, right? Yeah. So it was kind of like surprising when I talked to like uh, my, my sister in Christ, Maya, and she she's telling me that there's some states that are still closed. I'm like, yeah, whoa. And we had some guy that I met. He came out here, uh, uh, Brother Carl. Mm-hmm. He said where well, he came from, uh, Mississippi or something. Yeah. He said everything's closed there. I was like, what? Like, we're open. Why are you yeah. closed? What's the difference? Mm-hmm. I don't think that makes sense to me, but... You know, it's the way the cities and the yeah, states right. are ran, but but no, uh, definitely we got to get the word out there. You know? Absolutely, even in and I've had I'm grateful to have had moments uh, at work where it's just me and an officer, and he'll say something about the Bible yeah. that had about that had nothing to do really about God, but that that to me that was a cue to like oh well, well this is what the Bible yeah. says you know and I, I'm, I'm yeah. grateful. I've had uh, and I and I remember I remember you a lot because you're one of the people that I see that likes to really interrupt people's day. Yes, I love to. <laughs> yeah, um, take advantage of that gift. <laughs> but yeah, you you you've mentioned where you're like talking to one like a whole crowd, but there's one person listening. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, at work, it's the same thing. Like I've I've had conversations with just the one officer, and there's two other officers in there just going about work yeah. and I'm just talking to this person um, you know and, and I know I don't do it perfectly but I recognize when God gives you those opportunities and I think for any Christian out there that 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 thinks that the pulpit is the only place to give a message you know no you know I mean check. they gotta wait for eight years in seminary and this and like, yeah man the thief on the cross his only confession was you are you are you are him yeah. you are the son of God yeah. I mean his confession was probably heard by the people that were standing by the cross. Amen. I mean, Jesus was a popular figure to be crucified. Think of that. His yeah. confession was probably heard. You never know what might have happened. Because after that, Jesus, uh, the, the, even the, one of the Roman soldiers, mm-hmm. he even confessed, you must be God. Yeah. Like this, that must have been God. After the, hur- after the mm-hmm. what was it, the earthquake, the, the veil was torn in the temple, like all that took place. The sky went black after Jesus actually mm-hmm. gave up his spirit. And then mm-hmm. the Roman soldier said, you, yeah. th- it was him. It's like who knows? Maybe that thief's one confession did a little bit more digging into that that Roman soldier's heart. And who knows? Maybe that was a confession that actually led to salvation for that yeah. for that Roman soldier. We never know how much or how little of our confession yeah. will get through. You, you never know. If, if just let God use you. Yeah. If you feel God tugging you, if you because you know if you're a Christian, you're yeah. led by the Spirit. You'll know when God points you in a direction. You do one of two things: you either go along with it, or you. Fight it, ignore it, and feel bad the rest of the day, you know. But you never know what what little word, how far it can go, yeah. you know. Or if you're there and you just you end up spending a whole hour, hour and a half with a person, glory to God. But what what I'm trying to say is is just pay attention to those moments, pay attention to those moments, and get out there and just give the word of God. You yeah, know? absolutely. You never and, know, and just understand that God's in charge. Man. Uh, that's 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 what we want to just end on. God's in charge. Um, God's in charge because um, we're not we're not the ones that are are commanded to make sure that everything's good before we go out. Yeah. We, we can be utilized the moment uh, the moment that that takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, just just knowing that even the Ethiopian eunuch. I mean, Ethiopia yeah. is known as like one of the most uh, uh, traditional old school churches. They have they have their 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 uh, what's what's the word. Um, Orthodox. They have the Orthodox Christian Church there, and it's one of the old in Ethiopia. They have one some of the oldest uh, relics and some of the oldest church history um, around. And we know who the Ethiopian eunuch was, yeah. like in the story. Yeah, he might have very well had a part to play in the expansion of the Christian faith in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. And he he was given the gospel and baptized and sent off. Mm-hmm. There was no like other requirement. He sent off. God does that work. Yeah. And God does it faithfully and he completes the work that he began in us. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, we need are, to, yeah, well, right? That's a whole other yeah, conversation that I'd thing. like to have. Uh, that's just part of some of the statements that this uh, teacher made. And it was, it, was, it was kind of disappointing because I know that the woman left with her MS. And I know that yeah. the statements that were made gave Christ this very, uh, very, easy to approach with without reverence kind of look mm. and he is one to be approached with reverence. with reverence so we have to understand what prayers we have to understand what the word of god is or we're going to actually start teaching people you know you just walk up to god and give him your nickname 
and 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 and, and like I I've heard it seems so irreverent and you know JC mm-hmm. I've heard people say JC oh Jesus is Christ. is my is my is my guy or uh-huh. something like that and I'm just like my homie <laughs> do you really read the passion translation like is that really your version cuz th- you have to be reading like a gushy bible version yeah. like the passion translation you have to be reading something that's been turned gushy and just overly emotional to have that kind of a perspective on God. And if you don't just take God's word and read it and find out and really apply it to your heart, you know, get the word in your heart so you don't sin against God. Mm. You'll, you'll be led. You'll be led by him because once you realize who he is and you come to faith, you confess him, he'll fill you by the spirit and you'll, you'll do the work and Amen. you'll want to do the work. It's him that works and wills in you for his good pleasure. So, uh, so... Thank you. I'll continue to invite you. And oh, yeah. uh, we'll see how long Definitely. we can we can get this going. We'll see yeah. if anybody even wants to listen to this. But, uh, <laughs> because I'll be worried about your soul. Why you still be doubting you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things. But you believe things that you've never seen. Like feelings and hopes and dreams. The future emotions and gravity. And sadly.